Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights for making money in food. The Edible Alpha podcast is hosted by the Food Finance Institute, where our mission is to help food businesses raise the money they need to grow. Through our podcast, FFI staff talks to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food or farm business. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast. I'm Andy Larson, a farm financial consultant for the Food Finance Institute and Wisconsin Small Business Development Centers. Today, we are lucky enough to be here with Ron Henningfeld, owner and cheesemaker at Hill Valley Dairy, an artisan cheese company in southeastern Wisconsin. Great to have you, Ron. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Andy. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you made your way into the cheese biz? Uh, yeah, I, I guess the story starts uh, all being anchored with a with the family dairy farm. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, it was a parents. It, it was a dairy farm that my grandparents purchased, uh, and then my parents purchased and operated it. And now my my older brother and his family they purchased the dairy farm and operate it. Um, but when I was uh, a kid growing up on the dairy farm, working with my family, uh, I I loved it. Um, I actually loved working with the animals, working with the, the plants and the land, uh, and working alongside. Um, I have several brothers and sisters, and of course with my parents too. So I enjoyed it as a kid. It's I stayed, you know, involved and active in the farm work, uh, of course through high school and then into college, um, and so. Um, I went to, I went to college, uh, I, I, I'll just, I guess I'll mention, I got a degree in education for, uh, I taught agriculture and biology at the high school level for a little while, mm -hmm. but I always had this pull back to the dairy farm because I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the ideas of entrepreneurship. I, you know, saw and learned from my family there. Uh, sure. so I was drawn back to the farm, um, but uh, our family farm is, is relatively small. We milk 60 uh, dairy cows, run about 200 acres of crops. And looking for a way to get involved in the, in the farm, uh, my brother was open to, you know, how I might join the farm and, and farm alongside him. And, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I had this, this very intriguing idea of getting into cheese making and a way to connect with the farm and kind of expand the farm without you know, growing the number of cows we have and, and the number of acres we have. Um, so that, that was kind of the idea of, of cheese making as a, as a way to be involved and connected to the farm still. Um, and at that time, I, I didn't know any cheese making. I guess I'd be identified as a first generation cheese maker. Sure. Uh, and I learned cheese making by buying a online home cheese making kit and making my first batch of cheese <laughs> on my mom's stovetop. This was around college age. I was probably in college. Okay. Started to dabble in it and and see how to, you know, try to move milk from from the fluid milk I was used to drinking and, and converting it or making cheese out of it. Uh my first attempts weren't I, I don't think I don't think they were they weren't complete successes. Like I but it was there was some success in there that ended up ended up with like a cheesy type substance that was you know <laughs> but you persevered was, nonetheless yeah yeah but it, it was it was fresh cheese it was a little bit salty a little bit you know milky flavored and and of course i was gonna taste it and i did and it was you know delicious enough it's 
it's nothing you would like take to your friend's house or anything, but you know, in my own home, uh, myself and family, we were all willing to try it and, and think, Oh, that's, that's tasty. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's wonderful. It, it, it sounds like, uh, Dairy is in your blood to a certain extent, and I, I'm I'm so glad to hear that other people's parents had a better experience on the dairy farm than mine did. Because I was that farm kid that dad couldn't pull out of bed in the morning to go have <laughs> <Sure>. milk. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you were much better about it than I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure so, it wasn't perfect either. But uh, you know, with with age, or at least as I reflect back on it now. <laughs> I think I was pretty helpful on the farm. So <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. Well, so you went from this 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 tabletop experimentation with your first couple of cheeses, and now you've got this sort of like nice longish cheese pedigree, Ron. Like having worked at you know three well-regarded cheese companies in southern Wisconsin before kind of striking out on your own with. Uh, Hill Valley Dairy. So, I, I, all right, just in your experience, what's your favorite part of the art and the craft and the science? Because it really is all of those things uh, of cheese making. And um, what were some of the key lessons you learned at your previous creameries that uh, kind of influenced your decision to strike out on your own? Um. You know, I, I suppose the idea of getting into cheese making was always to strike out on my own and, and be an entrepreneur, run our own small cheese business and, and, and make cheese with milk from the family farm. Mm -hmm. um, but while working with these these other um, cheese makers, I mean, first I had an apprenticeship um, where I learned uh, a lot about the cheese making process and the, the food safety and and aspects of the cheese making which is which is critical foundation yeah. to, to to cheese or any food product i um and then as i as i got out of my apprenticeship and, and worked for two other cheese makers you know the, one of those is really where i learned the art of cheese making the the hands-on the attention to the the milk and and the curds and the, the process of the cheese making from from front to from start to finish and in that place we're actually on the dairy farm too, uh, so we we paid attention to what the the cows were doing, what the pastures were doing, and and then that led right into the creamery where where I kind of mentioned the milk and the um you know the you, in at this location like the the food safety and science were just as critical and important, but it's really where I got to to learn the art of the cheese making and and those nuances as well. Um, yeah. Is there a part of the cheese making process where you you feel like you have a uh, like a special aptitude or a special ability that you know really makes you uh, you know gives you your bona fides as a cheesemaker? Um, you know, I think it I think it helps to be a, a good problem solver uh, mm. because there's always these uh, I mentioned nuances or variabilities in the milk, and we're working with. Um, living organisms, these microbes that we that we can't even see, and we, you know, they're pretty predictable. But sometimes they'll show, throw you a curveball, and <laughs> and um, so between the milk variability, these microbes and how they're acting, um, the the cultures, the bacteria that drive the cheese making, 
uh, being able to uh, pay attention to them and uh, kind of adjust or troubleshoot or problem solve uh, definitely helps you um, kind of achieve consistency uh, in, in your cheese making. And I mean, in, in the worst case scenario, hopefully it helps you like save a vat of cheese so you end up with a, right. a good product rather than a waste product. But, <laughs> a cheese-like a, substance, as you said yeah, before. Yeah. That's right. But but on a on a typical day, uh, just paying attention and being able to adjust and, and perhaps even problem solve um, while you're producing cheese is is I think um, something that helps helps me and my product out for sure. Okay. And how, how variable were your experiences from a stylistic standpoint? Like, were you all over the board, all over the world with the types of cheeses that you were making in these, in these previous experiences? Or were you pretty consistently doing uh, a couple of kinds? You know, uh, there's, there's good variety from, you know, a hard, well-aged cheese that out of a cheese cave to uh, a soft ripened cheese, uh, then, you know, cheddar and Havarti and uh, some types of pizza cheese and, and different things like that. So, so working for other cheesemakers, I, I got to see good variability. Oh, a lot of cheese girds I should mention, um, some soft style cheeses like Chev. So, so during, so I worked for other cheesemakers for about five years before starting my own business. And uh, beyond the, the learning of different styles and techniques I just mentioned, it also gave me time to kind of uh, make make mistakes and, and learn. <laughs> it's always nice to make mistakes on somebody else's dime. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm trying to say here. And, and also, while uh, I had people available uh, to to help troubleshoot and problem solve and ask questions, you know, when both when things were, you know, maybe when there's mistakes happening, but also when things were going correctly, um, people there to, to learn from and ask questions. Of those different styles that you mentioned, I, so for those of us who aren't as versed in cheese as we ought to be, right? Like the curds are very, very fresh and can go to retail sale very quickly, right? What is a, um, a cage ave cheese? How long is that got to be sort of a, a work in process before it becomes something that can go out the front of the store. Sure. That, that all depends on the, the type of cheese as well. So there's, there's more variability and nuance there, but to answer that question, I would say most cave age cheeses um, are in the cave anywhere from four months and then up to, you know, a year, a year and a half, even two years and, and so forth. If you're looking for a hard aged, um, cheese okay okay and and all of that's going to be affecting the the cash cycle and the retail sales okay more about that in a little bit here of course so ron it sounds like there was always an appeal to going back into cheese making to become part of the family dairy business what is it that you wanted hill valley dairy to be able to do for you and your family that you know you know you might not have been otherwise able to achieve as a as a cheesemaker for somebody else um yeah the the appeal to it i i suppose uh part of it was always you know being our own boss and mm. and making making cheese making a product that, that we wanted to make that represented the 
the milk and the farm I was coming from and the, the community we're a part of. Um, yeah, I don't know if I answered that well, Andy. What the- <laughs> no, that's perfect. So <laughs> it's it, um, the planning process to actually do this, though, to, to pull the trigger on your own business. Uh, how long had that idea been sort of growing and formulating and formalizing in your mind before actually pulling the trigger? It sounds like you worked for other people for five years. Was was that always the plan? You started out making this like business plan in your mind the moment you started cheese making, and 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 kind of related to that, what were the stars that had to align before you would kind of strike out on your own? Yeah. Okay. The that was always the plan from the beginning to to lead up to uh, starting and running our own our own cheese making business. Um, so that was always in the back of the mind. It wasn't always, you know, pencil to paper, you know, making a business plan, but it was always, mm-hmm. you know, ideas of what do I want to do or how would I do this and how would I make this and how would I sell it and, and what does it look like and, and so forth. So that was always rolling around in our heads. Um, and when I say our heads, this is mine mostly. And then, you know, my partner in this, my wife, Josie. Yeah. Um, and then... I think what made us pull the trigger is is after a, a handful of 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 years of making cheese for other people and 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 still having this idea in our head and not really gaining any ground on it, it just kind of came to that point where like okay if I don't uh, if I don't step away for from working for other people I'm never going to find the time to start my own business. So mm. at, at that point, you know, I, I gave my boss a, a long notice for. <laughs> You know, I'd be, I'd be leaving, um, have plenty of time to transition and, and so forth. And then um, when that when that job as a cheesemaker was done, I kind of found uh, found the freedom to start to formulate uh, our business plan and how we would start into it and um, go from there. Excellent. Uh, so aside from being partners in life, are you and Joyce, how do you and Josie partner in the business? Do you do, do you both work on the cheese side or does she have a, a different set of competencies than you? Uh, oh, she has a different set of competencies. So, <laughs> and, and uh, her and I were just talking about that today already. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm the cheesemaker as we talked about and Josie comes in. She's really great with uh, marketing vision, uh, running our marketing uh, and uh, events and activities that we we might do, which is again an extension of of the marketing. Um, and we we talked about Josie and I talk about this being a family business, and and she says uh, that it feels very much like a family business because because the way we do get to work together and how we're both involved in it and. Mm-hmm. And it's probably I, I know it benefits our business that that we feel involved as a family because uh, we can talk about work life balance and and we might not be a, achieving that in a way we would want to or or a way that people talk about. Mm-hmm. So instead, we kind of have this work life entanglement. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I like that. Yeah, and. Uh, but it, it works out because we, we both really enjoy the cheese business. We both really enjoy Hill Valley Dairy. We really enjoy working together. Uh, we have two young daughters and we have found, um, you know, we find little ways that they can help us out too. And they're, they're young. They're, they're grade school age. So whether it's, you know, putting 
labels on bags or labels on cheese or, you know, pitching in at the cheese shop, just, you know, simple task or just, just the presence of, of children can really uh, start to make a mark on a brand or, or sales at a farmer's market. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> it, it, cute sales. <laughs> it, it sure does. It cute sells. So, um, so we have this, like this work life entanglement that, that works for us right now. And you and Josie are both fully employed by the dairy. Is that correct? Uh, not at this time. Uh, I I am fully employed with with Hill Valley Dairy, and then Josie she has a uh, full time job as a as a dance instructor, dance teacher. Cool, cool. And as far as the kids' involvement, are they are the, so? I'm getting my just desserts, my comeuppance from my upbringing that I mentioned before, in that I have to you know basically drag my daughters out you know, of, of their rooms in order to help me like wash eggs or do any of that stuff on the farm. <laughs> Are your kids a little bit more like you, a little bit more willing and excited to participate in the family biz? At, at this age, yes. My kids are young enough that they still want to do what mom and dad are doing and help out with what mom and dad are doing and give us hugs and show us, you know, affection and love. So I don't know what's coming yet, but as, as, for, right, as for right now, they're, yes, they, they'd love to take along and help out if they can. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, you know, starting a food production or manufacturing business can be pretty intense on a family, and it can often be a pretty expensive proposition as well, you know, from financing your first big capital expenditures right down to producing your first, you know, product to have on inventory. So I'm curious a little bit about what kind of scale you started off at. How did you get rolling as Hill Valley Dairy and what kind of capital did you have to pull together to finance your first, you know, your first rounds of cheese production? Sure. Um, we, we have we started um, by being uh, self financed, and and we were able to do that because we started very small. Mm. Um, and and the way we were allotted to do that is uh, we found or we had a relationship uh, with a creamery we were able to rent. It was actually it's called Clock Shadow Creamery in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, when it opened up in 2012, I was their cheesemaker for the first three years, cheesemaker manager. And, uh, you know, I left there with a good relationship. So when I came back a year later, um, looking to make cheese at their facility, kind of like a rental pay to use agreement, um, sure. that kept our overhead. Well, I guess we didn't have overhead and instead we have, we had rent to pay, yep. uh, and, and milk, milk to pay for and, and ingredients essentially in packaging. So, so we were able to self finance cause we could rent to begin with. Um, and I'll, and I'll say we're still in that same uh, agreement arrangement uh, using Clock Shadow Creamery in Milwaukee. Uh, initially, we were making oh, uh, maybe 50 to 100 pounds of cheese uh, every couple of weeks to take to a farmer's, uh, two different farmer's markets we were doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And then over the first two to three years, it, it, was, it stayed relatively small, but it was making cheese for a couple of farmer's markets, making cheese for just a couple wholesale accounts um and now now we've grown to the point where uh probably on average making about 500 pounds of cheese every week um and that's pretty well balanced with our sales outlets um that we have going right now 
Okay. All right. So 500 pounds of cheese a week. Um, how much milk does that start out with? Like how much, I, I guess the question is really how much of your, your family, far, your, your family's dairy farm, how much of the production is currently going through your, your cheese business? Yeah, it's, it's almost uh, 20% of the, the milk from the dairy farm uh, is going into our cheeses. Uh, what it is, is every, every Sunday I take a truckload of milk to the creamery in Milwaukee, and then every Monday I return to make cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just every Tuesday we, well, every Monday and Tuesday that, that cheese we've produced comes back to the farm where we have a cheese aging facility and that's where we age it, uh, then cut it and package it as needed, distribute it out of there. And so for the numbers nerds like me, um, how many pounds of milk does it take a pound of cheese? It's not a, it's not a one-to-one. There's a reduction in the process, correct? there is. It's it's uh, a great rule of thumb or approach is, is a it's a ten to one ten pounds of milk to make one pound of cheese. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So when you're making five hundred pounds of cheese a week, you need about five thousand uh, pounds of milk or or you know fifty hundred weights of milk. Is yeah, that, that's correct. Okay. Got it. Okay. So. Um, as you were getting rolling, um, were you kind of defaulting to those types of cheese that get sold super fresh so that things could turn around and convert to cash quickly and finance the, the next round of cheese production? Like, were you, were you producing mostly cheese curds to begin with, or were you diversifying the types of cheeses that you were involved with right from the get-go in order to have that sort of you know, more forward-looking sensibility that I'll sell curds now and then I'll sell something aged and fancier at next season's farmer's market. Yeah, you. Um, th- that's about right. We So I, I did start to produce a variety right away, uh, but curds were still the anchor by far um, ah. because that's that's just what people here in Wisconsin, they, they love. That's what they... <laughs> <laughs> they, they, buy. they love they love good cheese curds so so because i was going to farmers markets i could take fresh cheese curds and that was probably always 50 percent of my sales and okay. then at that time i also had some cheddars some flavored cheddars um and following that you know shortly into it i was able to start making some gouda uh, yeah. and sell that at farmers markets too and those those, I guess, well, three say three styles of cheeses were were my cheeses for oh the the first four to five years of of making our own cheese and selling it at at markets and selling wholesale. Wow! Um, and since yeah, and since then we've been able to uh, expand to some uh, even more. Uh, I guess uh, we'll say artisan. I mean, those the curds and cheddars and gouda. It's all it's all artisan based on scale and hands-on and stuff, but sure, a couple, yeah, more, absolutely. couple more unique cheeses uh, I've been able to add to our lineup, uh, just some original cheeses, which are, you know, 10-pound wheels of, we call them, one's called Luna, one's called Alina. They're okay. cave-aged uh, hard cheeses um, that we've been able to add to our lineup. And that. I mean, I'm, I'm doing that one because I, I love that style of cheese. I want to make it. I want to introduce it to our customers. Yeah. Um, it's also, you know, maintaining relevance and building brand in the market, moving from, you know, 
relatively common cheeses, the, the, the curds, the cheddar, the gouda into some, you know, unique, original, identifiable cheeses that are, that are made only by us. Ah, sure. So it's, it's, it's building your, your market cachet and your market representation by having something that other folks haven't got. So that's uh, really, really neat. What, uh, what is the process like to make one of uh, the, the Luna or the Lena, uh, Luna or Alina compared to sort of the, the cheddars and goudas? Is it more complicated? Is it just more time consuming? How does it compare? Yeah, at the creamery, it looks relatively similar. It takes about the same amount of time. Where where it takes a turn is the cheese aging. Um, mm. These these cheeses need a uh, a, a room or a, a cheese cave like environment. Uh, and essentially, mine is is a walking cooler. And this is what most you know modern caves are. Uh, oh, a walk-in cooler that's temperature controlled, environmentally controlled, uh, where these cheeses are sitting on um, shelves, perhaps, I mean, mine are on wooden boards where they get flipped and turned and, and cared for uh, for several months in the cave and, until they're uh, aged and mature and ready for sale. And the, the flipping and the turning, is that for the, the rind? Is that for an even... Um, aging process like i guess tell me about what the movement in the cave actually does and what the microbes are are what are they doing in that in in the cave yeah in so you're correct that the the flipping and turning is is required care in the cave because it does help the the rind develop evenly around the you know the top and the bottom all surfaces of the cheese it mm. also helps with equal and even uh, moisture loss in this cave, you're having uh, you're losing moisture to the air, and your your cheese is slowly uh, drying out as it ages as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the flipping and turning will be will be true whether you're doing a wash rind cheese or a bloomy rind cheese, which would be like a, you see those white molds on the surface. And mm -hmm. and my cheeses happen to be what's called a natural rind cheese. So the the microbial environment in the in the cave is pretty important because. Uh, for natural rind, I'm letting those yeast molds, bacteria that are naturally in that environment uh, grow, populate the, the surface of the cheese and grow and develop that, that rind. And the rind is simply just that outer layer uh, as it develops, it kind of becomes a protective layer from, from, you know, bad microbes growing on there as well as, you know, moisture loss and control. Um, So how has the reception been of some of these more artisan cheeses that have been your own creations? Sure. Uh, it's, it's been great. Um, yeah, it's been great. Uh, the customers who, who taste them and try them and purchase them and return for them, they, they're, they're really liking them. Um, and winning awards, right? They, they did actually. These two, <laughs> these, these two I mentioned, uh, I submitted them to the world championship competition, which was a few months ago. I, it was this winter in, in Wisconsin. Um, and in the class that I entered these cheeses in, uh, one of them took third place and one of them took fourth place. Uh, that's center. pretty high regard for you know the world <laughs> yeah yeah it made me feel pretty good and it, it validated the extra you know work and time and attention that goes into these cheeses and and also 
the, just the overall effort of, of trying to make uh, really good cheeses that uh, customers are going to like. And I, it turns out that the judges care for them as well. Cool. Cool, cool. That's congratulations. That's wonderful news. What what do you think that's going to do to your to your production? Like, so I guess I should ask right now, what proportion of your production is going towards the more recognizable the cheddars, the goudas, the curds, etc., versus your your specialties, the the Luna and the Alina? Like, is that is it is it fifty fifty? Is is it less than that? Is is the artisan portion do you anticipate that growing to be a larger component of your business tell us a little bit about that it's uh i grabbed the calculator and i would say about <laughs> about 30 percent of of my cheese that i'm making right now is going into this alina and, and luna the the cave age cheeses mm-hmm. uh, and i do want to keep moving in that direction um the next cheese I, I have that, well, as a, I should say, as a cheesemaker, or, or I have I have dreams cheese cheese dreams of cheeses I want to produce and make. <laughs> um, I like that cheese dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so the next cheese I should be able to bring into fruition um, sometime over the next six to to nine months. Is a okay. is a small format wash rind cheese. Some they'll have to be cave aged again. Uh, a lot younger though, probably just you know two to four months aged. Okay. And uh, so yes, that's the next cheese I'm gonna gonna continue to develop and, and try to bring to market. And I do want to keep going in in the direction of the specialty cheeses like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a as a small cheese company you know that's where i can find a, a niche that that isn't completely filled already in in wisconsin cheese uh, um, yes to, i and this comes from talking to customers talking to other cheesemakers as well that there's there's space for uh, these types of cheeses in the market um and it's something that sometimes small small companies have more ability to to play around and try things and develop things um so i'm going to take advantage of that and and the, also they're yeah they're a little more work they're definitely more work but there's also uh can be larger margins and more revenue with these specialty cheeses too got it okay so yeah, despite so- the fact that they're in process longer they contribute to the bottom line a little bit more Yes, that's right. Got it. Okay. And do you think that the the artisan cheese, cave age cheese production will eventually like completely supplant the the cheddars and goudas and curds, or will those always be sort of table stakes that have to be produced by a uh, a small cheese company in Wisconsin? You know, I don't think they have to be produced by a, a smaller starting cheese company in Wisconsin. Um, but because our our approach, I, I think for Hill Valley Dairy, they will remain uh, part of the mix and part of the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. It's our our market, or at least right now, our market is relatively hyper local to you know Walworth County and a couple surrounding counties and, and towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So by having this variety, we can you know provide more to our our customers. Um, I don't think it's necessary, but it does fit. Hill Valley Dairy well to to make 
curds and make cheddar and, and then these specialty cheeses on top of it. Okay. Okay. So Ron, you, you mentioned that uh, Wisconsin is one of those places that has a, a, a lot, it's almost a wash in cheese. There's a lot of cheese makers. There's a lot of cheese varieties. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a competitive marketplace, right? In, in order to be in the cheese biz in Wisconsin. So as you were formulating your business ideas and thinking about, you know, the types of cheeses that you were going to produce and everything, what were you thinking as far as market positioning and competition? How were you going to create an identity and a reputation for your cheeses in a place where competition was so high? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here in Wisconsin, you described it well, that there's, there's a plenty of cheese and there's plenty of great cheeses available. So, I mean, our, our initial, our initial approach to this was to, you know, be the, be the locally made cheese from, you know, milk from, from the local family dairy farm and, and um, from local people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which which worked out for a start because uh, it, that gets you in the market, that gets people interested in your product, want to learn a bit about you or the farm or the cheese and, and all of that. Um, yeah. Though at the, the same time, we kind of knew it and, and it's been proven that like we also needed to be making great cheese. Like we, mm. we can sell cheese to people once, but if but if we're not having customers tell us, you know, this is, I'm going to be uh, not humble for a moment, but <laughs> if, <laughs> I think that's okay. <laughs> if we don't have customers telling us like, you know, they're saying things like, wow, this is a, the greatest cheese I've, I've tasted. And we get repeat customers and we get cheese. Uh, some, some self-identify as addicted customers who are now driving, <laughs> driving across towns or counties to, to meet us, to, to buy our cheese or stock up on our cheese. So it's, you know, that, that was something we, you know, confirmed ourselves and, and might be advice for, for anybody bringing a um, food product to market and their, at least their initial niche is, is local. Um, that does generate interest, but you got to be making some of the best stuff that your customers are trying because, because obviously they have other options and their other options are probably, you know, available to them for, for cheaper than you're able to produce or sell your product to them and, and so forth. So, mm. so really, you know, getting back to kind of our branding or, or the cheese we wanted to make, we just we wanted to make um, really, really good cheese for, for our customers and, and for our business. So if, if your customers are addicted, what is the product that's hooking them originally? Is, is there, is there one thing that, a lot of people come to you and then always come back for, or is it, is it pretty across the board that, you know, people are getting hooked on all the different kinds that you produce? Sure. It is, it has evolved. Uh, and it really, we have people hooked on most of our cheeses and it's, it's not the same <laughs> people hooked on every cheese, but really it was the, the curds, people buying curds every week at the farmer's market and buying them for family and buying them for friends. And then, you know, we introduce some of our, our cheddars and people get hooked on our black pepper cheddar and then they get hooked on our bacon cheddar uh, <laughs> or different people, different people will stock up on our Gouda or our whiskey Gouda every time they see us. Um, and then this Alina and Luna, like the, the Luna is one I really, 
going back to those cheese dreams, I, I dreamt about it for a while. Um, what I wanted the cheese to be like, you know, mm-hmm. um, really I was trying to make a cheese that, that if the moon was made of cheese, this is, this is what it would taste like. That was my target. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. It's, it's, all the all those children's books that we've read in our recent history, like, are coming to fruition in your cheese, Ron. That's nice. Yeah, and this this Luna, I've had it in the market for oh, maybe about six to eight months, and uh, it is being being really well received uh, enthusiastically, and and um, so that's that's the latest uh, addiction that that people are coming back to us for. Gotcha. And and I gotta say, you posted somewhere on your social media presence a, a, a recipe for uh, grilled cheese with the whiskey cheddar and the whiskey gouda, and I have the feeling that I'm gonna get myself addicted before too long here too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've you've mentioned uh, the farmers market a, a couple of different times as as one of the market channels yeah. that you guys have gotten into and used to establish. What other market channels are you? currently using in order to to grow your cheese business sure well we are doing wholesale um to uh retailers like small specialty food shops small markets uh to some grocery stores as well and to a handful of restaurants um as well and those are our wholesale accounts that we self-distribute to Mm -hmm. um so those are uh, those have been our main two outlets for since uh, since I don't know since the beginning of our business, and then uh, very recently, actually just three months ago, we opened up uh, the doors on our first uh, brick and mortar uh, cheese retail shop. Woo! Exciting! Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we signed the lease for it, you know, almost a year ago, and we got opened up a few months ago. <laughs> Um, but, but that's our newest outlet that we are developing and we're, you know, learning as we go. Uh, but it's, it's a place we've wanted to, um, give our customers a place where they can, you know, come to us directly and and more permanently rather than, you know, wait for the farmer's market and try to remember what day and what time and, and when they can catch us and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's our newest, newest outlet. Excellent. And it, that's located in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, correctly? Is that it right? Is correct. Yeah. Yes. Tell us tell us a little bit about Lake Geneva. Like why why Lake Geneva? What is the what is the population like there? What is the the expectation as far as the uh the sales and projections there? Yeah, uh, my wife and I we lived in Lake Geneva the last 7 years. Uh we we recently moved out of Lake Geneva back to right next to the family dairy farm in East Troy. Mm. Um, so, so living there, uh, boy, we, we developed, uh, good relationships with the, the food people there. There's a, there's a local, uh, butcher and, and specialty food market shop there that is, um, very popular, does very well. Um, couple restaurants that do source, uh, local products and, and use them and put them on their menu. Okay. Um, so, so we developed some good good food relationships there. And I think these, these food businesses, um, you know, find their success is definitely, definitely probably anchored on the, the local population there who, who dines out like in every town. Um, okay. but then the tourism in Lake Geneva, um, you know, fills, fills the gaps and, and 
um, provides for additional, you know, success and customers and, and business in these towns. So, so because the, the tourist population hits Lake Geneva, there's more of these restaurants. There's more, you know, it's a, it's a wine shop that sells our cheese too. It's a, it's a brewery that sells our cheese too. I mentioned the butcher already and the, mm-hmm. the restaurants. So, um, Lake Geneva was our hometown is where we lived when we developed, uh, opened up our cheese business and Mm -hmm. we anchored it out of a a home office in Lake Geneva. So, so those relationships just as well as the the potential for sales in that town um, have been actually quite important for Hill Valley area. And then it's, you know, back to East Troy and some of the area towns where the rest of our, our cheese goes, but probably, Oh, probably 50% of it or more goes through the town of Lake Geneva. Is your is your cheese shop uh, exclusively selling Hill Valley Dairy products, or I, I'm I'm guessing not because it sounds like there's so many of these food relationships that you've cultivated. Are you trying to be uh, cheese and complementary products? Is that the idea? Yeah. Okay, you're correct about that. We are we're selling our cheese. Uh, we're selling cheese made by our friends in Wisconsin, which nice. uh, offers. Yeah, so we can offer a larger variety. Um, all our cheese is, you know, we're from a cow dairy farm, so it's cow milk. We have friends who make sheep milk cheese. We have friends who make goat milk cheese. We have friends who make different styles of cow milk cheese. So um, th- we we are bringing in their products to to add variety to our shop, to add a variety for our customers. Um, and our our goal with our shop in Lake Geneva is is to offer a great experience for the the customers through obviously good cheese, but also it's a unique shop where we do cut to order counter um, where you can discuss the cheese, talk about the cheese, taste the cheese you're, you're thinking about buying and, and, and kind of have uh, cheese dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Dream about our cheese retail counter as you close your eyes at night. (laughs) But but that's kind of our niche there. Obviously, it's a place to get our cheese, but it's it's a place to have a good uh, experience as well. Well, it sounds like you're talking about gathering. Like it's not just a store where you go in and you buy something and you leave again. It sounds like you're you're trying to have more of a, a I guess a community aspect to this storefront. Is that right? Yeah, you're right about that. And I, I we've talked about the retail front of the cheese shop and then within a month or two we will have the second uh space for our cheese shop open up and that's actually our cheese bar uh which will uh, yeah it will provide the space where customers can come and gather and you know for on-site consumption of cheese uh cheese pairings cheese flights cheese with chocolate cheese with beer cheese with wine and, and that sort of thing eventually we'll uh offer uh, guided pairings and tastings or cheese classes and, and, and cheese experiences for, for people. Wow. Um, okay. That sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, has, that, has, has that been in the hopper through COVID and you kind of had to wait for the, the pandemic to sort of, you know, beat, get it beaten back a little bit before you could open that, that kind of community gathering space for those experiences. Sure, I, I suppose at this this point, uh, at this this day and time, we we found this space uh, mid COVID. 
Okay. <laughs> but but the idea goes back to the, the beginning of, of Hill Valley Dairy. You know, as, as much as my wife and I and family, we do, we do love the dairy industry. We do love cheese. And Josie and I, we, we also like people. So uh, finding a way to develop a community and, and try to do good um, through cheese, through our business, is something <laughs> we, we've always wanted to do, to, to grow and build relationships. And I mean, understandably, we, we want to be successful for a handful of reasons. One, financial success for, for the business so we can keep doing it, so we can uh, treat ourselves right treat our team of employees right but then so we can you know do good and and try to have fun while while doing this as well and it just uh, happens to be anchored in cheese and and go from there well i i tell you cheese and sausage and beer and friendly people it doesn't get much more wisconsin than that my friend (laughs) okay but now so you originally talked about finance self-financing the beginnings of this cheese business but now as you start to move more into storefronts and brick and mortar and equipment i know you're you're you know you're leasing this space now uh but you you're you're gonna have more overhead you're gonna have more infrastructure than what you did before is this still a a self-finance proposition or have you had to start building other you know capital sources into the mix yeah we've we've had to we've brought in other capital other financing into it um self-finance for a handful of years uh and then we've received some grant financing uh which has been been wonderful and, and useful we can talk talk about that and then yeah Recently, just just as part of opening up this brick and mortar storefront uh, and cheese bar in Lake Geneva, that's when we started to build a relationship uh, with our local bank and opened up a line of credit that we've been able to access while while we had you know costs for building out our space and buying cheese shop equipment and, and so forth. Yeah, so a little working capital to finance inventory, to finance people, to finance the stuff you need to open up a shop, right? That's the primary yeah. point of it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, you know, I always wonder if, if financing a cheese business would be as possible outside of Wisconsin, where it's not as much uh, uh, a part of the culture, right? Like I feel like if you talk to a banker in Wisconsin with a, you know, a cheese business, the idea, it sounds familiar, but if you were in, you know, I don't know, I'm from Illinois or Iowa or any of those other places. And they you say you want to start a cheese business. It'd be a little bit more of a question mark in their eyes. Did you yeah, get I, a I, good reception from the people that you were talking with at the bank? Uh, yeah. And, and my relationship is just the, the local bank here in East Troy. Mm-hmm. And they, I have gotten a good reception. And, and it was my first time ever really sitting down with a business banker and and talking about what we're doing and and how we could get some financing for it and and the the banker uh, she guided us to like okay at this point a line of credit makes sense um, so we did that um, I have sat with the same business banker um, talking about a, a project that you know might happen a, a year or two for now which might involve building a creamery and and just Uh-oh. to wrap my head around it, she yeah she she uh, it took a it took a meeting with me so we could talk about it and I could just wrap my head around like, you know, how 
because I haven't done this before, like how do things like this get financed? Can are they fine? You know, can they be funded and and so forth? So she she talked about a couple of ways that you know it would be possible to to finance it. So um, yeah, the the having developing this relationship with the banker that that will answer questions <laughs> and, yes. and has time to to answer questions and, and talk about the projects um, has been very useful. Well, you did something pretty smart, which is you started talking about propositions for growth right away because that's you know that meets your objectives and it also meets the bank's objectives for uh, for volume for credit volume credit quality and credit quantity. I like to say are the two things that they're going for. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of stepwise uh, business plan is a, a, a thing that you can you know talk about what the end goal really looks like. So. A creamery is in your future. So now we've gone from, you know, a rented vat to a rented storefront to potentially, are you talking about bricks and mortar construction ground up or are you looking at an existing facility or tell us a little bit more about where you're at in that thought process? Sure. It would, we're looking at, well, we, we got to determine what we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and this kind of connects to the funding question. It, it does connect to the funding question. You um, bet. Relative, well, this, this winter, um, I applied for a grant from the Department of Agriculture here in Wisconsin uh, that and, and have been awarded some funds uh, specifically for doing a, a feasibility study on this project. Um, so the, the funds from the grant will be able to work with a consultant and some industry professionals We'll put together a business plan, financial plan, kind of the ask those feasibility questions and try to answer those too. Sure. Um, so that we should find out if we, we go ahead with this or not. Gotcha. Excellent to do some of that investigative work beforehand and lovely that you can attract a little bit of outside funding to do that investigation because that's one of the things that oftentimes will uh, put folks off a little bit is the expense that they often have to go to in order to just get a plan made. So um, attracting, yeah, no, go ahead. The grant funds came out of a, I guess, a grant program that just looks at building Wisconsin dairy or supporting Wisconsin dairy. So it fell right within their wheelhouse to, you know, fund, fund our project where we want to look at you know, building a creamery and, and growing uh, a bigger market for Wisconsin cheese and Wisconsin dairy products. Um, but, you, but you're right. Without this funding, uh, my my plan and study for building a creamery would just kind of kind of eke along as I had time for it myself. But being yeah. able to bring in a, a consultant uh, and pay for that and, and some industry people is, is going to, you know, sp speed this up uh, significantly. Okay. Have you been able to attract any other kinds of alternative funding, like outside from traditional financial institutions? Uh, is, is there been more grants in the mix? Has there been uh, community revolving funds? Have there been any other, other things like that that you've brought to bear? Um, yeah. Uh, first to talk about is a, is a different grant. It's uh, the value-added producer grant. Um, we, we receive funds from that. Uh, okay. Boy, I suppose that was in 2018. We were awarded some funds for that uh, that grant. So, because Hill Valley Dairy is 
owned a small percentage is owned by my brother, the dairy farmer. We're joint yeah. owners of Hill Valley Dairy. Um, his his farm and and the cheese business together were uh, uh, candidates for uh, applying for a value added producer grant, where it's just taking your commodity product and you know producing this value added product. So mm-hmm. uh, he and I were able to apply for it. We got some funds for that back in 2018, 20 and used over 2019, 2020, um, and COVID hit. So we were able to extend the grant timeline a little bit. So even into to 2021, um, mm-hmm. those, those funds came in at a, at a good time for us, uh, cause we we're, we we're growing, um, growing our sales, wholesale, uh, farmers markets. And it was a time where we needed, or were able to grow product inventory. And you kind of mentioned this early on, like, cheese inventory you know we got those cheese curds that move in and out but then cheddar we're talking about a minimum of a a month most of it more like six months or nine months i'm selling cheddar at two years and three years the the closer (laughs) to a year these alpine styles a year and a half um there's a lot of of cash or money tied up in inventory so absolutely so those those grant funds uh you know uh, supported our our operating costs for for growing our artisan cheese market, and in turn we were able to um, store away cheese that you know from you know this year and last year and even the year before that we we are selling now. Excellent, and just to get a little like banky nerdy here for a minute, like a revolving line of credit that was collateralized by your non-real estate assets, right? The assets of the business. A lot of that value comes from your cheese inventory and the banker needs to be able to understand that, you know, what starts out as a young cheese and then goes into the cave and then ages for 18 months. They need to be able to understand not only that this product is gaining in value, um, but also that the, the the paydown of what you uh, the proceeds you advanced on the line of credit the paydown's not going to come for a while there so did you receive any kind of pushback on on timing from that standpoint from the bank or were they were they pretty okay with the uh, the knowledge about how the cheese were going to age and what your cash cycle was going to look like yeah the the hmm, the so I had that conversation with the banker and more like jokingly like do you do you lend against you know cheese or, or yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it should be termed uh and she said that's possible or, or yes they can um however uh because we were looking for this line of credit primarily for the the shop and, and mm-hmm. the store um and it and it um we were able to get the line of credit basically um, and and you probably know these terms better than I do, but but just through personal guarantees and, and stuff of our own equity and, and that kind of thing. Sure. So, I mean, the uh, the bank is uh, aware of our assets and uh, the business assets, including the cheese inventory and, and stuff. But I I think it was the personal assets that allowed us to to access a line of credit for the business, at least at this time. Understood. Yes. Very seldom is an entrepreneur in the early stages of their business going to be able to get into a lending opportunity where there isn't 
a personal guarantee tied back to whatever business pursuits they've got. I mean, in the, you know, the farm and the farm adjacent and the small food type of business, as you, as you mentioned, the family and the business and the assets are all so tied into a ball together that it's really hard to parse those out when you're trying to collateralize a loan. So yeah, very, very good point. Um, interesting as you grow, as your inventory grows, if you have separate lines for cheese versus, you know, labor and inventory at the shop and all those different kinds of things, I'll be really interested to see how that kind of uh, matures and evolves as your business does, Ron. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess sort of last question for you. Um, every time I talk to, not every time, but many of the times I talk to farmers and they want to do some kind of further processing step, uh, you know, milk bottling or processing of some kind of plant material or vegetables or, or whatever into a value-added product. It seems like they always want to have that infrastructure on the farm. And so I, I, I was just kind of curious, this creamery idea that you are, you know, coagulating, to use the cheese term here <laughs> in your mind, um, uh -huh. is, that a, is that an on-farm proposition or are you guys open to that being pretty much any place. And the reason I ask partly is because the regulations around milk and food safety and transport of milk and all that stuff in Wisconsin are probably more stringent than anywhere else that I've experienced. So what are you thinking as far as, you know, location of that cheese plant and what does that mean for the, the next step in your business? Mm -hmm. Well, we will we will study that and try to figure that out. Uh, like I said, with this feasibility study, we're we're just starting at this time. Yeah. Um, but but of course we have thoughts on that already. Um, that it will it's more likely to be off farm uh, and probably very okay. likely. Um, couple reasons for it. Uh, just kind of the uh the location of the farm perched on a hilltop and not a lot of not a you know really a good site for a creamery close to it. Uh, mm -hmm. and then. Um, you know, off farm, there can be, you know, different advantages of, of, um, just kind of, oh, environmental, I don't know. I don't know how to get to. <laughs> well, the, the yeah. former banker in me thinks about a, a piece of infrastructure, like a cheese plant on a farm out in the middle of a rural area, like you said, perched on a hill in Walworth County versus, you know, that same infrastructure in say an industrial park where the utilities are already there and uh, there's potential for that, that frame, that outer shell of the business to be something else in the future as you grow and expand into a different location. So I just think about collateral value and what is that collateral worth on the farm versus someplace where there are other similar businesses with similar requirements. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm going to take uh, some mental notes on what you just said there because that's, that, <laughs> that, that adds to how I was thinking about it. And, um, but yeah, even off farm, whether it's an industrial park or somewhere else, it's it, in the future, it could be more of a sellable asset or maybe a, a growable business if it needs a bigger footprint at some point um, and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's all the food safety control and stuff that's different if you're on a farm with animals versus if you're off a farm and how you can, you know, control, you know, traffic patterns and things like that, that all relate back to, to food safety, cross-contamination. And that's, you know, as a cheese maker, my mind goes there quite a bit too. Gotcha. 
All right, Ron, as we're running up against our time limits, there's one last question I wanted to ask you, and that's uh, when your kids start asking you about starting their own cheese business someday in the future, what's your piece of advice for them? What's the thing you're going to tell them to do differently than what you did or the same as what you did in order to be successful? Well, hopefully at that time, I still have a, a cheese business uh, <laughs> that, that, that they might want to get involved in themselves. But no, I, I get I get your question there. You know, what I what I would tell my kids or, or anyone else who, who might be asking this question is, you know, we've talked about some of it, but a, a lot of it goes back to, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, or at least with my personality, starting this, I kind of, you know, wanted to do all this independently and do it by myself and figure it by myself. And, and at least I, you know, was, was wise enough to not try that completely. So what I'm trying to say here is, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of, you know, build relationships or connections of, of people who you can talk with people who you can ask questions with. And, and this is, as I say this, I'm specifically thinking of the, the cheesemakers I worked for in the past, uh, the cheesemaker I apprenticed with. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking of, about the banker I mentioned that that is, you know, I've started to ask questions with. I'm thinking about my uh, accountant. You know, these are these are all people I try not to bother too much. But if I can ask questions <laughs> that that help me solve something in a in a short phone call or conversation rather than you know a day of time me trying to do my own research and, and figure it out myself um can can put you uh kind of helps kind of helps set the the stage for trying to make correct decisions right decisions moving in the right direction and and, and trying to minimize you know m mistakes and, and big problems are you saying it doesn't always have to be the school of hard knocks Ron? <laughs> no no i guess not no, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's wonderful. And I, I completely agree. I, I really think that uh, uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of relationships to bring to bear for uh, an entrepreneur that's going to make their trajectory a little bit smoother. So uh, very, very good advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, the time today, Ron. It has been wonderful to get to know about, more about you and your business and your family. And Gosh, I can't wait to visit the cheese bar in Lake Geneva, you guys. <laughs> I hope that it is roundly successful right from the get-go. All right. Well, thank you, Andy. Thanks for uh, being interested and in, in asking questions about the business, too. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha and the Food Finance Institute by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.